Day 97 on the Bible Rundown. Welcome to the show. It is the podcast of the year. Over 2,200 listeners on the podcast. That many? Yeah. And uh, we are now 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 10. Not trying to get a big head or anything, but we have had quite a few listens to the podcast. Of course, we do it every day, so people tune in and podcast every day. But uh, it, it's an interesting text here. The demand for a king. So what do you think mm-mm, about mm-mm, this? Is this is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? God had kind of promised this back in Deuteronomy that Israel would have a king. It's what, a good thing. Thought? It's a good thing they're asking for a king. Their motivations are in the wrong Ooh. place, right? And that's, that's what, what God about. tells Samuel is, uh, hey, do this thing for them. They're not rejecting you but rejecting me Mm. as king over them. Mm. So wrong place, wrong time, wrong motivation, right? right? Like this is not, but God and his sovereignty is going to move through this circumstance. We're going to get this man named Saul, Mm. who is, uh, interestingly enough, what tribe's he from? Benjamin. It's interesting. Uh, It's like, hey, let's take the broken tribe of Benjamin that was almost decimated to the point of being wiped out. Yeah. Um, But here's a remnant. And from the smallest of the clans of Benjamin comes the tallest man, Mm -hmm. Saul. Um, But before we get there, uh, these warnings of against a kingdom, right? So Samuel gives them what they want, Mm. but not without warning of what the king will look like. And I had made the comment to you just when I was talking out loud, we were reading this ahead of time. Uh, We want to be like the nations around us. Mm. And you know, let's be honest, the church at many times wants to be like the world around us, right? We're Baptists. We love a good committee. We love the corporate structure of what the world offers. And we think, if only we operated the church in the way that my business runs, this would be such a more organized and and well-to-do place. I think sometimes God's like, well, you can go that route and I'll let you do it. But we end up running off the tracks, right? So I may be going on a little bit of a tangent, but I do think that the modern day application... I mean, but the modern day applications for us, right? The church isn't to be run as a corporation and the the Davidic monarchy that God once established is not to be run the way these other kingdoms are run. And I think that that's part of Samuel's warning here is, listen, if you chase after what the nation's kings look like, Mm. you're going to be left wanting. Yeah. You've hit on a lot of things in that, in that small amount of time. No, that was really good. It was really good. I think, I think a couple more things just to add to what you're saying, because you, you hit on, a lot of the points that that we wanted to make on the cast today but but the the idea that we're looking to God as king mm-hmm. Jesus as our king is is an idea and and I think the judgment of God is actually displayed in making Saul king he, as you said he, we're giving the people what they want give the people what they want I think that's a show uh, it's on another podcast but the, the they're giving them what they want. God is giving them what they want, but the, what they actually need is God as their king, yeah. Christ as their yeah. their ultimate 
king and they need the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And so Saul from Benjamin is going to be the kingdom of man. So Saul is actually coming as a judgment, I think, upon Israel because Saul will see is going to set up his own kingdom. And so I think from Benjamin, looking like he is the king, uh, is like this kingdom of man concept. And then David will be the king after God's own heart from the line of Judah, the promised one, which will be a foreshadow of Christ. So I think yeah. I think that the judgment of, of God is actually coming across as making Saul king. I like it. And the other thing, Look at what Samuel points to, what the king's going to demand, and whether or not God has already demonstrated that he's provided all these things and more when they are needed, right? So he warns that a king is going to draft their sons Mm -hmm. and want his own chariots. Well, who are we told to put our trust in? Not Mm -hmm. in horse and in chariot, but in the Lord as the rock and the victory Mm -hmm. that we need, right? Um, He's going to want him to plow his fields and bring up crops. Well, who do we trust to be the Lord of the harvest? Sure. God himself, right? He's going to take your daughters, force them to cook and do all these things. Well, all these things point back. A tenth of what you make, you offer back to the king. Yeah. What does that remind you yeah. of? Like, I think all these things are... He's going to fight our battles. Well, and the godly king, to your point, the godly king is going to need these things because they're a type or they're pointing to the lordship principle that God wants for his people. So the king, the good godly king isn't going to do him for himself. He's going to do him because that's God's ordained order, but the self-centered king will pervert those things. Once you get to chapter 9, you get into this weird story about two donkeys being lost and Saul (laughs) trying to find them, but he can't. I think the story is trying to tell you that he's incapable of finding donkeys. How is he going to be your king, right? Like, that's kind of what, it's like, it's a Hebrew meditation literature, and it's kind of a joke. It's like, he can't even find his two donkeys. How is he going to rule over God's people? You know what I'm saying? Right. It'd be like having a president that doesn't actually file his taxes <laughs> or do things with integrity. Is that what you're saying? That's 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 what I'm saying. Exactly. But yes, it's. I think we're supposed to read it and be like, this guy is inept. His servant is more prepared for this journey that his dad sent him on than he is. And then Samuel even, I love like God just divinely gives him the word. Don't worry about your donkey, Saul. There's something bigger here for you than just that, right? Right. So yes, God is sovereign and the situation that he used over the donkeys was ultimately to connect him with Samuel for the anointing. And you were talking about the anointing itself, and maybe there's something deeper that it's yeah, pointing to. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we'll have to take a deep dive into some of these things in the future as we preach through First Samuel at some point. But, but like the flask of oil, kissing, um, kissed him. Um, you know, these these ideas is is. I mean, where have we seen the oil poured out right on the anointed one? And the kissing of his feet, right? That's right before yeah. Jesus is mm. crucified. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big step, right there. Like right, like the the um, and then he, you know <clears throat> something happens here, and um, he goes there, and there's three men that are going up to God at Bethel, and will meet you there. And they're carrying three goats, three loaves of bread, and skin of wine. Now this could mean nothing, but Again, it's almost like this 
this they're going to meet with the Lord to fellowship with him this reminds us of the days of Moses in which he went up and he ate with the Lord he communed with God I think I think it's kind of this this idea that the king is now going to commune with the Lord he fills him with the spirit uh, he gives him um, he gives him a new heart all of these things are really interesting to think about um, and then he prophesies or he speaks the word of the Lord uh, through the spirit it's such an interesting thing all these things in which is happening in this life of the king is uh, kind of the picture of what God actually wants to do with us is he wants us to yeah. commune with God he wants us to speak the word of the Lord. He wants his spirit to indwell us. He wants he wants us to, um, you know, to to do all of these things. And it's just an interesting dynamic of what the Lord does with Saul um, here. And the thing that jumped out to me is uh, it's the same verb. I'm reading from the NLT. So you'll have to tell me what the ESV says. Um, but the verb, when it talks about you will be changed into a different person in 10.6, mm-hmm. it's the same verb that's used later on. Uh, where is it? Uh, ESV says turned into another man. Turned into another man. And then later on, it, it says in verse 9, God gave him a new heart and the new living. But it's the same verb. God turned his heart. Mm. All right, so we're going to talk about this when we get to it. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, mm-hmm. but later at the end of Saul's life, towards the end, the Spirit of the Lord departs from him. Mm-hmm. So there's a big argument that you could make that what is changing is mm-hmm. not conversion the way that we have been changed when right. we come to faith in Christ, that we are given a new heart that's promised in the new covenant right. we're made a new creation. Mm-hmm. It's literally, I think, a better way to think of it is God had to turn Saul's heart away from himself towards the things of God. And that's what the work of the Spirit is doing here. But it's a temporary work, sadly, in Saul's life, because we're going to see that the Spirit departs from him. But I think it's a reminder, we see it in Jeremiah a lot, in his prophecies about the new covenant, that the heart is the issue. Mm -hmm. Saul lacked the heart and so these signs were things that were confirming it but it was the spirit of the Lord that turned his heart ultimately to be useful to God Right. and David's going to be described as a man after God's own heart so it's interesting that that idea is already being presented in this early in the Old Testament that the heart is deceitful it needs a physician to heal it right you got donkeys, loaves of bread skins of wine the spirit changing of hearts. I mean, all, <laughs> these pictures, right, are, are pretty pretty vivid pictures in the New Testament. And it all, like we say, it all points us to Christ. Right? All, right? all of it is is Christ, right? And so I, I think I think here, you know, obviously God is doing a work, and mm-hmm. and I think that the work is is that he's he's transforming this guy into Israel's king. But ultimately, Israel is is not in, is in need of a man after God's own heart. Uh, but ultimately, after Christ, is in need of Christ. You know, the God Man, because even changing 
a man's heart will not work. Um, and even a man after God's own heart will not work. It will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who comes from heaven to earth that God will use to save mankind and usher in his kingdom. Yep. And an interesting scene as we close out 10. Even the man with the heart turned towards the Lord and the Spirit of God upon him does what when it's his time for anointing? He hides. So, oh, yeah. so he can't find the donkeys. Uh, he's really inept in, in being prepared for what his he's dad has to do. And he's hiding among the baggage. Here's your king, Israel. Let's see how this goes from here. Yeah. Bible rundown.